welcome to Faith Point, the podcast ministry of First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley with Senior Pastor Carol Eldreth. Our goal is to allow our faith to intersect with real life. So let's join Pastor Carol today as he shares with us from God's Word. For those of you who have been with us for this month, been looking at a series of sermons that I've done on on Sing We Now of Christmas. Looking at three carols so far, three very common carols that we sing all the time and looking at how they impact our lives and how they impact the gospel message even today. And I wanted to share just a, a brief little snippet of the fourth carol that I wanted to share with you. And that's a song that we just sang. That, that song uh, of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It seemed appropriate that right at Christmas that we would look at that song. And also how it changes, how the gospel changes lives today, even now. Um, and so as we look at this, uh, we're looking at a composer by the name of, of Henry Wandsworth Longfellow. He was not known for composing songs. That wasn't his forte. But he was known for composing poems. Maybe one of the, the best known is, is of his is the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Some of you learned that in grade school. Some of you remember grade school. And so that's good. If you don't remember grade school, that's okay. We'll let you go. Though Longfellow experienced great success as a writer, he also experienced great pain in life. There was the first major sorrow he had was the death of his first wife, Mary, who died after four years of marriage. And then he remarried later on, a few years later, to a woman named Frances and together they began a family. And things were going pretty well. One evening, Frances was trimming, though, the, their daughter's hair, and she decided to save some of the clippings of the hair. And so she placed them in an envelope, and then she, she, she lit the candle to melt the sealing wax to seal the envelope, unaware that some of the sealing wax had fallen onto her dress, and without knowing that it was there, suddenly her dress burst into flames. And, and, and Longfellow tried to put out the flames. He tried with a, with a rug at first. That didn't happen. He tried with his hands, but tried as he might, was not able to save his wife. And then one of his sons, his oldest son, went off to the war. The war was the Civil War. Didn't ask his dad, he just left. And within a short time, he attained the rank of, of lieutenant. And while fighting in the battle of, of um, make sure I have the name of the battle right, it, it always seems sad that a battle is named after a church. It was the Battle of New Hope Church in Virginia. And Charles was wounded severely. Bullet went in his left shoulder, 
cross through his body and exited through his right side. And he was called to the hospital, to a hospital in Washington to come and to take his son home and to start his recovery process there. All of that affected Henry. He had had bouts of depression his whole life. And the war just added to that, that pain. The pain of losing two wives. The pain of a son who was ever going to be crippled by that bullet that had gone through his body. And just the thought that our country was fighting each other. And that there was no peace. Those things bothered him greatly. And he sat at his desk at Christmas of 1863. And he was filled and overcome with despair when he did that. And as he sat there at his writing desk that morning, he heard the bells at the church ringing. It was Christmas morning now. And listening to those bells, he began to think about what they meant. He listened to the bells, and hearing them chime actually began the process of healing for Henry Longfellow. As he listened, he thought about the message of, the Chris, of Christmas and the message to the world that the Christ had come. And he began this song as we just sang, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, the wild and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And you recognize that last phrase of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, where we read, Glory to God in the highest, the angel said, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And this morning I just want to share with you three realities that, that Henry shares with us in this song. Realities that we have to face um, because of the Christmas event. The first reality that he faced and that we need to face is a stirring of hope. We come to Christmas and we think about the fact that, that Christmas should be a certain way. We think that Christmas should be like a Norman Rockwell painting. Does that ever happen in your home? Not likely. It's a little more realistic than that, isn't it, where we live? You can plan all you want to, but God is in charge. And life doesn't always go the way that we think that Rockwell would have it go for us. And we just hope to know that everything is going to be all right. But life doesn't make us think it's going to be all right all the time at Christmas. Things that we might be able to deal with better in, January, or in June or July just don't go so well in December. Because of all the months of the year, everything should go right in December instead of going so wrong as they quite often do. And so as he sat there, he was thinking, okay, the reality is that I feel this hope in me that somewhere there ought to be a hope that says that things are going to be good again. 
that that verse assures me that that there's going to be peace and goodwill among men and yet still we're fighting still there's war going on still there's hurt and there's and people are dying and and people are getting sick so where's the hope is it just a lie was god fooling us were the angels telling us a story was it a fib I would like to know that hope. Somewhere in my heart, somewhere in the deepest part of my soul, there's something that says there should be hope. But where's that hope? Where is it? And today, as each new day begins, and seems to outdo the one before in terms of disturbing developments and horrifying pictures on our television screens and our news feeds, in reports from doctors, we find ourselves drawn more closely to this idea of peace. Where's the peace, God? Can't there be peace today? That's what I need. You know what? We weren't made to live in constant conflict. That's not how the God of this universe created us. His creation of us was perfect. His creation of us was to live without conflict, to live in peace and harmony with him and with each other. But Satan entered into the picture. And Adam and Eve sinned, and every one of us has sinned since then. And because of that, we have to find that peace. We find that that peace is so elusive sometimes. It doesn't just drop in our laps, it seems. On the heels of Henry's longing for hope, he came to the next reality. And the next reality was the despair of reality. He looked at what was going on. He said, this is my reality. This is where I live. This is the stuff that's going on. This is the junk that's going on. This is the horrible, these are the horrible things that are happening. So how do I somehow harmonize what I see and what I feel and what I experience with what the angels promised? I don't find the hope. Instead, I find myself despairing reality. But there are times in the Christmas season and we've all experienced it, that no matter how much we want Norman Rockwell to visit our house, we come face to face with sorrow and hopelessness. It happens to all of us. It happens in all of our households, sometime or another. And all the planning and all the things and preparations that you make for Christmas, don't get rid of the despair. And so he wrote, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And there come those times when we think, is this really a joke? Some kind of demented 
practical joke being played on us? Does God not care? Does he not know? Is this really just a myth I've been fooled into believing? Is this even a relevant hope that we could have? Because despair seems so strong. And you know, the problems that we face might not seem quite so unreasonable later in the year, but right now, they do. There's just something that intensifies them at Christmas. But there's no healing in that approach to say, I will ignore them. And that's what we usually do. We say, somehow I will just muscle through this. I will just soldier through it. I will somehow make it through to the next day. And Christmas will end and then life will get back to normal. But that doesn't answer the problem. That doesn't bring it to a conclusion. That simply prolongs it. That's not God's plan for us. Neither sadness or neither is real life depression. None of those, even though we try to sweep them in the rug, will stay under the rug, will stay under the rug. They keep coming back. There's another verse in Longfellow's poem. It's in the original poem. It's seldom sung, and you're hard-pressed to find it in any hymnal. But because because the Civil War was going on, he said, Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound of carols drowned, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He said, For all we want... We hear the war. We see the war. We see the effects of the war. We see the effects of hate and anger. And Christmas, he said, should become a time for honest appraisal. Not trying to fool ourselves, not trying to sweep things under the rug, but to look at life as it really is right now And if we do that, the questions you have to answer are things like, what's going on where we are? What's going on in my life right now? What's going on in my family's life right now? Does God care about that? Where are you going? Where's your family going? And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually and emotionally, intellectually. Where are you moving to? Are you moving at all? What's your life all about now? If this is the reality that we live in, what's, what's really life about? And what do you really believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because when you can answer that, you're going to have some sense of being, knowing what's going on. And for those of you who can answer what, the message of the gospel is about you find that hope and you find that peace that you cannot find anywhere else. And so you have to ask those questions. You have to be willing to take those hard questions and to face them. 
And, and it, what happens is that you have a come to Jesus moment when you do that. When you start to say, God, this is who I am. This is what's going on in my life. This is where I seem to be headed. But this is not where the gospel says that I should end up. That's a come to Jesus moment because now you know what needs to change. Now you get the help that you need because the gospel speaks to all of that. And so when you have that come to Jesus moment, um, you, you can say things like, Lord, this is not what you promised, but I'm not really seeing it right now. Where, where are you at and what do you want to do? And he says, I will answer you. And so Henry says, not only do we look at, at the fact that we have this hope that we're looking for, but we find the reality facing us that brings despair. But he said, we also find the prevailing of peace when we have that come to Jesus moment. The prevailing of peace. Then peel the bells more loud and deep, he said. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fall, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to This is the power of a come-to-Jesus moment. This is the time when things can change. But you say, nothing changed outwardly. No. He wrote these words. They became a very popular song. But really, for Henry Wadsworth, nothing really changed outwardly. He still was a widower twice. He still had a son who was an invalid. The war still raged on. So what changed? Outwardly, nothing seemed to change. Inwardly, Henry changed. Think about the shepherds out on the hillside. They're not particularly well-liked. It's not a glamorous job. Nobody wants it. But these men had the job. The angels came, filled the sky, sang glory and excelsis Deo, glory to God on the highest. And they went and they saw Jesus. And then after worshiping him, they went and told everybody else, but they went back to the same job. And nobody thought any better of the job or them. Nothing outwardly changed for those shepherds. But what a difference it made because they changed. And because they changed, we sing about them today. Because they changed on the inside, they make a difference in our lives today. When you have that come to Jesus moment, things don't necessarily change for you. J. Oswald Sanders once said, peace isn't merely the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. That's peace. We think peace should just make everything fine in our world. 
right now. It does not happen that way right now. What happens is Jesus Christ came into our world. And when we trust him to be our Savior and Lord, he comes not only into our world, he comes now into our lives. And you may trust Jesus as your Savior today. You may have already done that 80 years ago. And your life may look very much the same as it did today, tomorrow, and the day after that. But there will be a change in you. You will come alive with the peace of God. That's the change that Henry found. That's the change that the gospel offers to us. That the change happens inside of us. Henry Wadsworth found the truth of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. There the apostle Paul wrote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you confront the problems and the troubles of you, uh, in you and the world around you, you just cast your cares on Jesus Christ, he says. And let him deal with those. And so here we are on Christmas Eve. And maybe your world resembles in some ways those of Longfellow when he wrote the poem. And I know most of our culture at large doesn't resemble anything like what the angels were singing about. Hate still strong. Hate still mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But don't forget these words of that last verse. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. If there's some words you ought to take, eight words you ought to take out of this song. That's them. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The world may tell me he's dead. The world may tell me he never even existed. The world may tell me he's taking a nap somewhere and can't be bothered with our world, can't be bothered with our lives, but that's a lie from hell. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. He's alive and he's active today and he cares about us. He knows what's going on and he intervenes for us. He's at work as always in human history bringing his plan into place. His plan is not on our time scale. We know what our agenda is and we know what our agenda for God is and God says that's nice but that's not mine. If you think you've got God figured out, you don't. If you think you've got his time frame figured out, you don't. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. And he doesn't mean that he's not working toward the culmination of that plan. I know that will pop some of your bubbles. Some of you think I would be a really good Holy Spirit. And that job's taken too. 
God is in control. God has never given up. He sent Jesus into this world not to be a military leader. He didn't send Jesus in this world to become a political leader. He came to be a savior, to bring peace with God and peace with ourselves and ultimately peace with one another. But we have to trust him in his plan. God does things we would never think of in ways that we would never think would work. But God's ways are so much wiser than ours, and his plans are so more effective than ours. Imagine if God, 2,000 years ago, had come to this earth as a grown man. Wouldn't that make sense? In our way of thinking, here would be a man, the God-man, ready to become the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he could take control of this world. That's how we think it should have happened. Instead, he sent a little helpless baby, having born in a manger, around a bunch of animals. Who thinks of that? Who thinks that's a good plan? A helpless baby, what's he going to do? And we remember there are some truths that we need to know. And the one truth we need to remember more than anything else is the truth that God loves using what seems impossible. God loves using what is small, what is feeble, what seems to have no hope of succeeding to confound the wise and the strong. In any strategy meeting for a war, God's plan would have been thrown out in about two seconds. They would have said, no, we have soldiers, we have armies, we have navies, we have air forces. We have people who can fight. They will cause peace to prevail. And God said, no, you can toss that out. I have a baby. He will bring peace. He will fight the strong. He'll confound them. And one day he will rule the world. But that's his plan. None of what happened that night in the stable among the animals was grand. Nothing spectacular about it. God gave his only son the most humble of births and then let him live in his growing up years pretty normal life. In Luke chapter 2 verse 40 it says, and the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And against all odds and against all the opposition this tiny baby would be the one who would save our lives someday and rule this world. 
And he's available to us today as Savior and Lord. God still is content to use the weak things of this world. If he could use this tiny, weak baby to change the world, as the choir just sang, do you think he might be able to use you and I as well today? Do you think he has a place for us in his plan? Yes, he does. And if you've not found that place, we want you to invite you into that. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you that in Jesus Christ, there is life. There is joy. There is peace. There's all those things that we've longed for. All those things that we want, that we cannot find in culture, we cannot find it in anywhere we go. It's not in our educational institutions. It's not in our military. It is nowhere else but in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, today I pray for those who are here who have never trusted Jesus to be Savior and Lord, that they would say, I am so despairing. I am so frustrated with life. I am so ready to have it over God, let them find the hope and the peace and the joy and the life that only Jesus Christ can give. Let them find it today by putting their faith in him and in him alone. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If God's speaking to you today, won't you come as we sing? Thank you for joining us today for Faith Point. Reach us online at firstsouthernpv.org or stop by to worship with us if you are in the Prescott Valley area. May God richly bless you today as you allow your faith to intersect with your life.